0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. What a great show we've got for you tonight. I want to thank all of you out there for reaching out and chatting with us and connecting with us through the newsletter. It's been amazing, just absolutely awesome. I wanted to just remind all of you that you can find out about what we're up to. You can find out about um, our weekly schedule and what we're doing um, as we are right now on this amazing network, uh, everybody out there. And all you simply will need to do is go to our website, drpatlive.com. That's drpatlive.com. You'll see up there, sign up for the newsletter. We're making some changes uh, to the website based on your requests. It's going to be like fun. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things we're doing. I want to remind everyone that those of you that are going to be joining me this weekend at the Green Festival, I am so thrilled that you'll be doing that and much more. For the rest of you, I am going to be seeing you on June 13th right in front of Shirley MacLaine at that fabulous, fabulous event she's doing. It's a rare event. It is in Seattle, For those of you that have wanted to have a conversation with Shirley McLean, you are going to want to be at this event. So all of this is on our website, drpatlive.com. So today, this is a show that I've really been waiting to to have and share some amazing work with you. I mean, think about this. You know, think about when we think about astrology. Think about, you know, Egyptian culture and Egyptian god, gods and goddesses, and think about shamans. Now, when you put all that together, you have shamanic Egyptian astrology. What does that mean? Well, I don't have to know exactly what that means at the moment, because joining me tonight, co-author Ruby Falconer is joining me tonight because the book that I have in my hand explains this to us. And so tonight, get ready to go on a journey. Go on a journey perhaps you've not gone on before and experience a language of wholeness and a revolutionary approach to the ancient shamanic language of astrology. Thank you, Ruby, for joining us here today. Let me tell you about my special guest because you are going to be in awe. Every one of us gets to decide at some level, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it in this earth skin that we wear. For Ruby, she has spent the past 37 years as a student, practitioner, and teacher of astrology. She is the co-author, along with our friend Linda Starwolf, of Shamanic Egyptian Astrology, and also co-author with Linda Starwolf of uh, Shamanic, well, yes, of Your Planetary Relationship with the Gods, published, um, in 2010 as well. But this book that I have in front of me is the book that we're going to be talking about tonight. What are these planetary relationships to the gods? What does that mean? You know, what does it mean to look at a relanguaging and how dare we look at astrology in a different way? Or are we really looking at it in a different way? And so we get to have this great conversation with, with Ruby tonight. And di- dig deep down into this world of shamanic Egyptian astrology. Ruby, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Dr. Pat
1: show.: Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's really a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, it's really good to have you here. let's I, I want to start out with the with the question, or not even the question, but the conversation uh, about this being a new creative way of looking and applying astrology. And I mm-hmm. think that's a really super place to start. Um, But more importantly for those people that don't really have a definition of astrology to begin with, I think we should capture the whole conversation, don't you? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. So talk a little bit about astrology from what people mostly know it as and what shamanic Egyptian astrology uh, brings that is new, fresh, and probably requiring a relearning for us.
1: Okay, well, uh, what a lot of people know about astrology is what they pick up from the newspaper. You know, when they open the newspaper and read about their sun sign, maybe once a week or every day and read some type of uh, interpretation of the day. And that approach to astrology is, is limited. You know, in the astrological language, we have 12 signs and when people do something in the newspaper, when they put something out about an entire sign, they're doing something about an average, and they're using an idea about where some of the planets would be in relationship to that particular sign. So That's what most people know about astrology. In reality, however, astrology is much more complicated than that because each and every person is much, much more than just their sun sign. There are all of the other planets, that are in the solar system. There's the sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, all of these other planets, and the astrological map is a dance of relationships of all of these planets. And traditional astrology, and and I'm you know I've been a practitioner of traditional astrology for many many years, so it's a language that I, I understand extremely well. Traditional astrology is its roots. Are based in Greek and Roman mythology. Now, when you think about that, it's it's interesting that the planets are named after Roman gods. Oh, yeah, it is. It's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about how that happened. You know, there was an attempt when the planet um, Uranus was discovered to name it after its discoverer, but that didn't work. It didn't stick. It ended up being called Uranus. Who Uranus? who is the greek god he's a god of heaven and he's the uh one of the original god he's the god out of which was who was born out of chaos so he's the original sky father so all of the the planets ended up being named after gods and goddesses from greek and roman mythology so a, a lot of astrologers and i've certainly been one have used the symbolism of the greek and roman myths to look at how these planets operate in our personality. you know, Mercury is how we think, it's how we articulate ideas, it's how we express ourselves. The god Mercury, Hermes was his Greek name, Mercury was his Roman name, he was the messenger of the gods. So that's a perfect name for a planet that has ended up being associated with communication and how we articulate ideas. Mercury is another place where sometimes people know something about astrology. The concept of Mercury retrograde, are you familiar with that, Dr. Pat? Have you heard Uh, that before?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it all the time, especially those of us that are in the communication business, so to
1: speak. Uh, You know it, right, because sometimes your communication systems break down during Mercury retrograde periods, don't they?
0: Uh, Well, you know, that's a whole other conversation we could have had with you a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: So Mercury is that—that's something that has, that has worked its way into the um, kind of the, the zeitgeist, the common zeitgeist. It's the idea of Mercury retrograde, Saturn returns. That's another idea that has worked its way in. So there's there's certain ideas. The idea that that periodically, when Saturn comes back to the place where it was when we were born, it happens when we're 29. It happens when we're 58. These are important times when we're stepping into a new era in our life and a new level of maturity. So these are ideas that have worked their way into common consciousness. However, not that many people actually go out and have their chart done. But if you do have your chart done, what happens, the different planets in astrology represent different aspects of the personality. They dance with one another as they move through their orbits. Each of us is born at a certain time when these planets are at a certain place in their dance and therefore in a certain relationship to each other as well as in relationship to the constellations that are, um, the, that are formed by the stars that are outside of our solar system. And then when we take our first breath, we are breathing in these energies and this is reflected in our personalities. And this is something, you know, when I first became an astrologer many years ago, you know, I'm kind of a logic, I'm a Virgo, so I'm a logical type. And, okay. Yeah, and I had, you know, I, you know, it was kind of woo woo to me, you know, I, it didn't make much sense to me. However, I, as I studied astrology, as I learned it, and I've done many, many, many charts down through the years, I can't begin to tell you how many, I see it operating over and over and over again, that there is a connection as above, so below. There's a connection where the planets are in relationship to the events that happen here on earth including our birth and the energies that we take in so
0: well you know and what i love about this is you know and if i could do this if you don't mind uh in reading your book i noticed that you know um, my friend and uh uh, a woman that uh, we help also we help promote her book danielle rama Hoffman. I mm-hmm. uh, wrote the forward in the book and yeah. I love what she says. Let me just read this this to everybody. Um you know Danielle all of you know um, who she is and and if you don't you could certainly go to the Dr. Pacheco website and listen to several of the interviews we've done with her as well as with uh, Dr. Friedman Chow. But what you're going to read here is this. Here, here here's what she says. She says shamanic Egyptian astrology creates a blueprint for living on the new earth vibrating that which has gone before with all that will be to create an integrated path of evolution. Holy cow, I read that, Ruby, and I thought Mm -hmm. that
1: is a big sentence, isn't it? It is. I really appreciate her writing that sentence. I think she captures it beautifully.
0: Well, we're going to be talking with Ruby. Oh, there's so much, there's so many questions I have, so many things for us to talk about in the book. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about this relanguaging of astrology, what some of the practical uh, applications are. But more importantly, why are we using some of the Egyptian myths? And by the way, did you know that if Jupiter were somewhere in your chart, that there is an Egyptian side to that, or better yet, You know, you may want to know who the God is
2: around that. I certainly do.
0: We'll be right back with the show.
2: Is your soul thirsty for love this Valentine's Day? Fill it up with Aquamantra's I Am Loved Water and feel the love with every conscious sip. You attract love into your reality when you're overflowing with love from within. Pick up a case of Aquamantra's award-winning premium natural spring water that flows from the abundant streams of Mount Palomar, California. Now in our brand-new biodegradable and recyclable bottles. On sale at Aquamantra.com forward slash I Am Loved. And know you are loved. e the
0: only cleaning solution you'll ever need. E-Cloth's fiber function does the cleaning, not a chemical reaction. Also, no paper towels or chemicals to buy, so you'll save lots of money. And E-Cloths are guaranteed to thoroughly clean for years, the whole time safer for you, your family, the environment, and saving you lots of money. As a Dr. Pat Show listener, get 20% off everything you order, and free shipping. Go to ecloth.com and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat. You'll never go back to cleaning any other way.
2: Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca. Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Visit MacaRoot.com. That's m a c a root.com. Call 541-846-6222. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nishama Living, where your optimal health begins with awareness, grows with knowledge flourishes with proactive
3: solutions, and is practiced as a way of life. Neshama Living is dedicated to wholeness
2: of body, mind, and spirit. The Neshama Living Hour is coming to the Dr. Pat Show. Get ready to regain your natural balance, take control of your health
3: and vitality, and build your foundation for wellness with Neshama Living on the Dr. Pat Show.
2: Thank
0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. This is really fascinating. I am so glad Ruby Falconer is joining us here today. She and Linda Starwolf are the authors of the book that I have in front of me. Incredible. Wow. I have so many questions. Shamanic Egyptian Astrology. What does that mean? Your planetary relationship to the gods. We're going to be talking with Ruby about what it means, but more importantly, what is it we should most know? What should we know most about this? Ruby, thanks for joining us here today. This has really been quite a journey
1: for you, hasn't it? It has indeed. Mm. Yeah. Well,
0: let's go ahead and let's talk about, you know, what some of the relanguaging is here. If you could describe what this book is about and what the message is in it, what would you like our listeners to know?
1: What I'd like them to know is that traditional astrology, being as it is based on Greek and Roman mythology, is a language of wounds. There's nothing really wrong with that because we're a very wounded planet. We've been very wounded over the last several thousand years by an imbalance between masculine and feminine forces and without referring to gender at all, by the influence of the patriarchy. And, you know, this is not a gender concept. This is the, this is a way of thinking that is linear and the idea that uh, we need to move onward and upward, no going back. In reality, life is a spiral path. We live on a planet where we can see that. We can see the progression of the seasons. We can see a continual process in the planets as they move through their orbits. The beauty of astrology is that it is a much more, of shamanic Egyptian astrology, it is a much more ancient language. It is based in the Egyptian archetypes, which are actually, we could consider them to be the grandparents or the great-grandparents of the Greek and Roman gods. The stories that are told in the Egyptian pantheon, it's not that there isn't conflict and that there isn't uh, difficulty, but there isn't the type of imbalance that there is in the Greek and Roman myths. We need to relanguage astrology because we need to relanguage all of our archetypal languages here on planet Earth so that we focus less on our wounds. It's time for us as a culture to move out of our sense of being wounded, of being victims, and start to begin to see ourselves as whole human beings who have perhaps been had to deal with some issues in our life, we've had to some things that we've had to work with, that we've had to overcome. Those things are all shown in an astrological chart. An astrological chart's a blueprint and it shows us the challenges that we're going to have to meet. But the beauty of shamanic Egyptian astrology the beauty of bringing in the Egyptian archetypes is we can find the solutions to these problems. We can find our essential wholeness. And that's what we can focus on, rather than just focusing on the wounds. And really, this is really
0: a shift that so many of us
1: are feeling in,
0: in, you know, a, a variety of aspects of our lives, you know, Kia Ruby. Yes. One of the things that I love about what you said is, you know, it really is time to take a different perspective and yet how interesting that some people say we're at one of you know we're at one of the most wounded times on our planet for human beings and so let's talk about that for a minute you know rather than you know become more deeply engaged in the victimology of us what i hear you saying is there's a completely new story that we can tell is that right
1: Yes, that that is exactly what I'm saying and it's very important as we stand on the threshold of this changing of the ages, this movement that we're making into a whole new level of consciousness that we think about what it is that we want to create as we move into this. Do we want to really carry our victimization, our focus on our woundedness into this new era? We it is a very difficult time. and in some ways we could say, well, it's always darkest before the dawn. Part of it though is we have the ability to create whatever it is that we're gonna be moving into. The the in a sense the um overseer or the you know, there there's the the god that is the uh central figure in shamanic Egyptian astrology is the god Anubis. Yeah. Anubis is a a god. He was abandoned by his mother. There's many stories of abandonment that are told in various archetypal tales through the ages... He's another one. He's an early one. His mother took him out in the desert and left him because she, she had had an affair with somebody else. She was afraid. She couldn't take him home to her husband. You know, it could be a modern story. She took him out to the desert and left him there. And her sister, her twin sister Isis, his mother was Nefzies, his twin sister Isis went out and got him, brought him home, and raised him into adulthood. How he became one of the the most important gods in the Egyptian pantheon. He's the keeper of the renewal of the heart. And isn't that what we all need, is to renew our hearts, our hurt hearts, our wounded hearts, our victimized hearts, to renew them so that we can open them up in compassion and share that compassion with the world in a positive way. Not to deny our wounds, but not to be driven by them so that we can move past it. He's a symbol for that. He shows us uh, that we have to periodically, yes, go into our own private underworld to, you know, do whatever work we need to do, to dig through our stuff, but we're not meant to stay down there. We're meant to bring that back up in the light. Symbolically, metaphorically, Anubis was born of Nephthys, who is Isis' Um, she's the veiled Isis she's the keeper of the mystery she's the lunar goddess while Isis is the solar goddess and Isis's husband Osiris who is the lord of the underworld so we got two kind of dark underworld figures who are his parents but then he's brought into light by Isis who is the solar goddess who's the who flies like a hawk who has laser vision he needs bows He needs to be of the dark, of the mysteries, but he also needs to bring that darkness into the light. And that, to me, is the story of where we're at right now as a culture. I love what you just shared. I I
0: love what you just shared for a lot of different perspectives. Because, you know, the way you just described this is very different
1: than we hear,
0: I believe, when we talk about the dark in psychological terms. And, you know, what I mean by that, and I'd love for you to talk about this in terms of, you know, the Egyptian gods. But sometimes we say to ourselves, I have just gone through the dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. as if it's this place that we step into that becomes us. Mm
4: -hmm. And I
0: Mm -hmm. wanted to get your sense of it. There's this there's this sense that we've been living with, certainly in the victimology of things where we have become it. But mm-hmm. I guess I hear you saying something different about sort of the Egyptian gods and the way they work. Am, am I
1: right? Yes. The, rather, I prefer to think that we need to move through it. Mm-hmm. The the This idea of moving into the light and then down in the dark and then back into the light again is repeated over and over and over again in the Egyptian pantheon. They have two creator gods, they have more than two creator gods, but two that we use in shamanic Egyptian astrology are Anun and Ra. Ra is the sun during the day when you can see it, Anun is the sun at night when you can't see it, it's still there. The Egyptians believed that Ra went through the sky during the day, and then at night he got in a boat and went through the underworld, and then he came back through the sky again. So he had to go through his underworld journey every night, and a monster tried to gobble him up every night. He had to meet all these challenges. He had to move through. We all have these episodes, these times. Life is a spiral path. I think what happens for so many people, and it's part of the patriarchal linear thinking, is that when they hit the tough patch, they're afraid they're going to get stuck there and never get out. And so, you know, you're, you, you, from a psychological perspective, you know, people can fall into depression, and then they can get stuck, right? They go into a downward spi- spiral. They can have a difficult time getting out of it. If we can come to the idea that this is something we have to move through and that there's a richness in the dark, there's a richness in the shadow, there's things we can discover, it's an opportunity to be introspective, to dive deeply. Maybe we will be in some pain for a while, but there's even some richness in exploring that and releasing some of that pain within ourselves, fighting our inner battles, whatever it is we need to do, So that there's a reason we can bring it all into the light, share it with other people, give it back as a gift to um, the the people that we know, so that you know our wounds become gifts.
0: Well, you know, this is one of the things that you know that you and I are going to talk about throughout the show. One of the things that I was so struck by, and we'll talk about it when we come back from break is, you know, the relanguaging of the signs of the planets. And Mm -hmm. for those of you that are just tuning in, I just want to tell you, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show, and this is Talk Radio to Thrive by Ruby Falconer joining us here today. The book is Shamanic Egyptian Astrology. It is really amazing, your planetary relationship to the gods. When we come back from break, we're going to be talking about the relanguaging and what how it affects the planets and the signs. And moving forward, the elements later on in the show, we're going to talk about this interpretation, the shamanic Egyptian astrology, the charts of Barack Obama and Gloria Steinem. And when we come back, the question is going to be, how does this interpret my chart? What should I be mindful of? Does this mean that I have to throw out the old and start with the new Wow, I hope we have two hours left in this show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show right after this break. When was the last time you were flabbergasted? Well, I was the first time I cleaned with this cloth named E-Cloth. E-Cloth claims perfect cleaning with just water on all hard surfaces and no chemicals. I started with my windows, then stovetop, and then the refrigerator. I was totally flabbergasted on how well E-Cloth cleaned everything. And I did it without exposing my family to potential health-harmful chemical cleaners. Also with eCloth, there's no paper towels, chemicals to buy, so you'll save money. And they're guaranteed to thoroughly clean for years. As a Dr. Pat Show listener, you'll get 20% off everything you order and free shipping. Go to eCloth.com, and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat. That's eCloth.com, 20% off everything, free shipping. You'll never go back to cleaning any other way.
4: to the max.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And I have to tell you, this book is incredible, Shamanic Egyptian Astrology, Your Planetary Relationship to the Gods. Thank you to Linda Starwolf and Ruby Falconer. Ruby is joining us here today. Ruby, before we get into this and before I forget, could you please give out a website so people know
1: how to find out more about you all and where they can get a copy of the book? Sure, uh, Shamanic Egyptian Astrology is one of the programs at Venus Rising Institute for Shamanic Healing Arts, which Linda Starwolf, my co-author, is the founder and co-director of. So that's www.shamanicbreathwork.org.
0: Excellent. So, so many questions, so little time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, is it a good place to start to talk about the the relanguaging? I guess that's we're calling sure. it of the planets first, and then of course the signs. Sure. Yeah. Um, you
1: know, what we did was the way to think of this is that it's not that the planets are a particular god or goddess, but rather a particular god or goddess of the Egyptian natural has sort of stepped forward and claimed an affinity with that particular planet. So let me give you the example of Venus. Venus, in traditional astrology, is the feminine pole of sexuality, and I always think of it as as values. It's what's important to us, it's what we care about, it's what makes us happy. In shamanic Egyptian astrology, Venus is Isis. Mm. Isis is the queen mother of the shamanic Egyptian pantheon she 's one of the primary goddesses of ancient Egypt. She was the essence of femininity and more than just the essence of femininity, she was the essence of feminine power in that she was nurturing she was loving she was loyal she was compassionate she was caring she was magical she was a powerful goddess she was a force to be reckoned with and unlike um, the way the feminine has been thought of in, in very often in the Greek and Roman myths, if you look at the Greek and Roman myths and you look at the role of women in them, the women are usually victimized. We've been talking about that process of victimization as something that usually happens in these myths. And when you go back and look at the antecedents, their great-grandparents, this doesn't happen in the Egyptian myths. You know, Venus... Aphrodite, who is, is, is Venus's Greek name. Aphrodite in her myth, she was born of um Uranus was castrated, a drop of his blood fell into the ocean, and out of the ocean arose Aphrodite with that beautiful idea of her arising out of the ocean. She was an independent being, not born of any parents. By the time we get to Venus, Venus to the Romans was the daughter of Jupiter and of Dion, she was in a sense demoted from being this being who kind of, this archetypal powerful being who rose out of the sea to being the daughter of Jupiter and Dion. Isis is an entirely different kind of goddess. She really is this great goddess kind of uh, woman, Mm
4: -hmm. being,
1: who holds the capacity for tremendous compassion and love. She sees us through all the portals of death and rebirth. She holds us in her rainbow wings. Anybody who's had any kind of experience with the goddess Isis is aware of her tremendous power. Exactly. And she's not a wuss, you know. No. No. There's a lot of power there, and we see that over and over and over again. Um, You know, I know you wanted to talk about the planets, but let's just talk about Sekhmet for a moment. Zachmat is the lion-headed goddess of the Egyptian pantheon. She's a powerful goddess. She's very strong. She's an agent for change. She swoops down on her chariot and swoops in and helps us cut the cords to the past. She's associated with the sign Sagittarius in traditional astrology. Powerful figure. So what we see, these powerful archetypes, women strong in their power, these are not victims. You know, these are not victims. It's interesting that in the traditional astrology, there are only two feminine energies, you know, in the planet. The rest it of is them really on, you
0: interesting know. And, you know, and, and sort of kind of out of balance, if you really want to think about it here, Ruby. It is you out think? of balance,
1: as our culture has been out of balance. Mm-hmm. We're only now beginning to come back into balance. And one of the things that these Egyptian archetypes do, you know, we've had in the past, and we're all starting to move out of this, this idea that, you know, there are male roles and there are female roles, and, you know, my generation has certainly been changing. We go to these Egyptian archetypes, we see over and over powerful feminine figures standing in their strengths, warriors in their own right, Compassionate loving, nurturing, we see powerful masculine figures, warriors, compassionate loving, nurturing. Mm-hmm. We see these qualities in both genders, so we don't have this kind of disparity that we see later on. The, in, one of the reasons we wanted to relanguage astrology is the understanding that the roots of Western astrology is in Greek and Roman mythology and not only is the um, is it in mythology, it is in Greek thought. Greek thought has formed Western philosophical thinking. If we look at those archetypes, we see a victimization of the feminine by the masculine. If we go back further, we don't see that. We see powerful feminine figures and powerful masculine figures. There's a wholeness there. There's women with strong male poles, and there's men with strong female poles. We're all talking about that now, you know, that men want to bring out their feminine pole, women want to bring out their masculine pole. Well, we need a language, an astrological language, that describes that. That's why we're bringing in the Egyptian archetypes. That's why when Danielle talks about using the past, going in the past, to find a... A blueprint for the future. That's, that's what she's talking about. You know, that if we go back far enough in time before this huge, as you put it, imbalance that's so informed our modern culture, we're gonna find wholeness. And we can then bring that wholeness through our archetypal languages, you know, through astrology, through other languages, the tarot, whatever, the divinatory, languages people like to use and use those let's talk about those and let's look at the things that happen to us and the lives that happen to us from that perspective
0: i really think that what we're talking about here is so important i want to just stay with this a minute because what Mm -hmm. you've been able to transcend in the book is first of all the separation and what i mean by that you know we're experiencing separation 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 that really is calling forth one solution and that is oneness and wholeness as you've just yeah. talked about. It's really interesting. I interviewed Shirley McLean and she's actually going to be on this network here soon. Um, I, I interviewed her not too long ago and she talked about the alignment and what was significant about 2012. And yeah. I want to ask you about that in conjunction with, um, you know, the, the Egyptian uh, perspective and vision for alignment and how yeah. it relates to what you've done with astrology here
1: yes what i think is going to happen and you know what it, exactly it's going to look like who knows yes I don't know yeah we're all kind of exploring that out filling feeling that out as we go yeah but you know we have this is a planet of duality i don't think it's going to stop being a planet of duality but we've had this tendency to move back and forth between the poles And the poles have been out of balance. We're working very hard to bring the poles into balance. Some people talk about finding the middle, you know, between those two extremes. I think what it's about is stepping back further so that we form a container that holds the poles within it. Does that make sense? I really
0: think, yeah, it does make sense. Because when we have this, and let you know, for lack of a better word, let's call it a container, you know. Mm-hmm. But what if it were an indivisible, an, an, an invisible force field? You know, it, what were, what would happen if it was a force field based on a higher consciousness? And I hope I'm not getting
1: too out there. Um, no, you're not getting too out there at all. And I think it well, is a
0: force field. Yeah, I you,
1: think we're talking yeah. about moving into a different dimension. Exactly. You know, um people talk about the nine dimensions and that we're, we're starting to move into, you know, we're getting ready to move up to a whole other dimension of being. You know, I don't know about you, Dr. Papp, but every now and then I get a little glimpse of what it's gonna be like and I can't quite hold it. But it's this feeling of sort of pushing into something where, you know, we talk about, you know, if we shift our attitudes, we can see things totally different. You know, is the glass half empty or is it half full? Is it both? Is it both empty and full at the same time? Can we not move back and forth between those differences, but find the place where we can step back and hold that awareness of its bothness at the same time? If we start to do that consistently, things are going to shift. As we don't have to be in this personal battle with ourselves or with other people, you know, through projection, start projecting onto them that they're the reason we're you know, something's happened to us or whatnot. You know, we can find a place where we can can sort of almost stretch ourselves out, you know, psychically into yes. this bigger place. Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, one of the things, we're going to be talking about the charts that you have um, interpreted here in the book between uh, Barack Obama and Gloria Steinem. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. I mean, this had to be... An incredible journey for you, Ruby, and for Linda, and for others that participated. I want to know how you have, have, you personally have been changed by what you've discovered. Oh.
1: I would say the way I've been changed, you know, this, this has been a part of a journey for me. It's been part of a process that's been going on for a while. I've been working with Linda Starwolf for 10 years now, first as a student, then as a, a colleague. And, of course, my journey didn't start with her. You know, as with many people my age, you know, I'm 60 years old now, many people my generation, and I've done a lot of things down through the years. But I think that what has happened for me as I continually work with these Egyptian archetypes they remind me that I do not have to get stuck in one definition of myself, that I can back up and see both poles and understand that I hold both within me.
0: Exactly.
1: That I can be both a warrior within myself, I can have that masculine pole, I can have that yang part of myself that's going to move out in the world, I can be set, I can be the warrior, I can get what I need, I can protect, I can set boundaries, but I can do that at the very same time in a compassionate open hearted, caring way. And mm-hmm. if I and and when I do that, magical things happen. It brings magic into my life, Doctor Pat, over and over and over again. And when I don't do it I just have to say, okay, you know what to do. You know how to hold this energy. If more of us can do that, we're gonna create magic on this planet that's gonna move us to a new place.
0: Yeah, it really is
1: incredible. I mean, it's incredible to
0: think about it, and look about it and look at it. But I think so many people right now are feeling it. They're feeling it at so many different levels. And, you know, someone said to me that we're having a consciousness acting out party. And I had yeah. to think about that for a minute. Right. It's well, kind of I mean, like when you were a kid, right? And yeah. you had some conflict or tension and you started to act out. And 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 what we were talking about is, look, if we're called to a higher consciousness and we have a conflict with that, then what are we doing? Are we
1: acting out? I don't know. Well, you know, I think you know, one of the things that Stalwolf talks about and that we've incorporated in our book is the concept of being adult children of gods. You know, that it's time to grow up and step into who we can really be. And let me give you an example here with neckbat. Necbeth is the goddess who's associated with the sign Virgo, and I'm a Virgo. So I know the shadow side of Virgo very well. Virgo can be fussy and nitpicky and critical, judgmental, and believe me, I've done my share of that sort of thing. Well, here comes Necbeth. Necbeth is the crone priestess. She looks at us, and she holds us to a higher standard. Virgo's about perfectionism. Virgo's about doing it, doing a good job. When you look at Nekbet or when she looks at you, she's not telling you to be perfect. She's saying, are you living your life according to the very highest standards? There's no judgment there. It's about living life to a higher standard. So those of us who are Virgos or who have Virgo in our chart somewhere, this is a place in our personality where we hold the concept of living our lives up to high standards. Not to, again. Not to be judgmental or critical, but just to 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 do the very best we can do, and to hold that for other people as teachers, as friends. Again, not to fall into the shadow side. She, the the Egyptian gods and goddesses invite us out of that shadow energy, out of the duality, into the wholeness of of. Whatever it might be, you know, what it, we could go through all the signs and all the planets and, and look at them from that perspective. I think this is amazing. And for those
0: of you that want to find out more, uh, I want to encourage you to get a copy of the book, Shamanic Egyptian Astrology, Your Planetary Relationship to the Gods, because you know everything Ruby is talking about is in this book and then some. Let's jump to the two people that you highlight in the book. Uh, you take a look at their charts, the charts of Barack Obama and Gloria Steinem. Yes. Let's take a look at Barack Obama and let's talk a little bit about You know, of course, one of the obvious choices, but there's even more to this than meets the eye, isn't there?
1: There sure is, yeah. Um, The the reason we knew we had to include Barack Obama, you know, obviously he's a younger president, he's our first African-American president, all that's important. However, Election Day, November 4th, 2008, was the first exact opposition between Wadgett and Sobek which is Uranus and Saturn in traditional astrology. Those of you out there who know about astrology, you know that we are still in this opposition. It started in the fall of 2008. And if you don't remember what happened in the fall of 2008, I can remind you it's the beginning of the economic meltdown that we're still in, beginning of huge transformation and change that so many people are working through and dealing with, and, you know, some struggles going on. So he was elected on the day of the first exact opposition. This opposition is unusual in that usually the outer planets form three exact oppositions. This time there are five. We just completed one on April 26th. There will be another one, the last one, on July 26th. So we're right in the middle of the last two oppositions. What this is about is Sobak is the old king. He's the crocodile-headed god. He's the old king. He's He's wise, he knows what to do. He's Saturn, you know, it's about learning to experience. However, he can also be about fear. We can get stuck in the old way of doing things and not want to transform and change. Wajit is Uranus, Kundalini life force energy. She breaks through the blocks to the free flow of Kundalini energy in our life. She's bringing in new energy. We have a struggle going on on our planet between the old forms and the new energy energy. Here comes Barack Obama elected on the first exact opposition between these two. He has a tremendous amount to do with the transformation and change that we're moving into and, and what we've been talking about, Dr. Pat, the new age that we're moving into. So if you look at his chart, you see he is a Leo, which means that he is he is Anubis. He is the new king. He is, um, he is, is what he is about is learning to understand that our wounds are our gifts. That's very much who he is. His Mercury or his both in shamanic Egyptian astrology is also in Leo. That's Anubis. So he has tremendous energy around that Anubian idea of moving into the underworld, taking whatever you need to take, but bringing it into the light, not getting stuck there, allowing oneself to be continually reborn over and over and over again. He has an Aquarius rising. Uh, Aquarius is associated with Ptah, who is a creator god, and he is a creator god who uses his words to create the world, but his words come from his heart. Aquarian energy needs to be, it's creative energy, but it needs to come from the heart. So he's a visionary, and his visions need to come from his heart-mind. His challenge is uh, that he's, um, you know, what he has to work with, when he has has difficulty, is he sometimes has um, a sensitivity to other people and what they think, and he's a a tremendous um, negotiator, and sometimes perhaps some of us think maybe he negotiates too much. It depends on your political perspective. But, you know, that's something he has to work with. He's got Neptune, who is Nephthys. in in alignment with um, it's called a T square with his Mercury and also with his Jupiter and his Saturn. That's Horus, Sobek, Sos and Napses all in alignment with one another. So he can see he can see behind the veils, he can see both sides of the question and his challenge is to really allow himself to be a visionary and to speak to, to lead this country into a new vision. That's his
0: challenge. Mm. And doesn't that require also, and I was looking at his chart as well because it's in the book, doesn't that require, y- y- you know, uh, sort of a, uh, Oh, well, 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 let me just say it. It requires sort of a gumption to fight for the truth of who he is, so to speak, and and not waver in the face of who other people would like him to be, or am I off on that?
1: no you're absolutely right, and that is his challenge. You know My mm-hmm. sense is that you know when I, I looked at his chart is that he' was always been very imaginative and very much a visionary, but that may not have been his wound is that that was not supported when he was a child, and so he has to reclaim that you know he has mm-hmm. to bring that wound up as the shadows. He is a visionary. he mm-hmm. needs to step forth and do that and not be so sensitive to um, what other people might think that's his challenge Mm. well ruby you also talk
0: about gloria steinem and i and i want to spend even though we only have a few minutes i do want to talk about this for a minute because you know what you say about gloria is fascinating and uh, yet at the same time i guess given the interpretation we could have predicted her to be gloria steinem right (laughs) yeah
1: yeah we could have yep (laughs) Yeah, when I looked at her chart, of course, she's an Aries. Aries in shamanic Egyptian astrology is associated with Capra. Capra is, he's the overseer, and so he's the guardian of shamanic Egyptian astrology. He represents the fact that every day is a new day, cycles of change, everything is constantly changing, newness, and Gloria Steinem has Sun conjunct Mars. So her, as we say in uh, shamanic Egyptian astrology, her Amun Ra, is in an alignment with set that's warrior energy it's who she is at a very basic level so when you think about when she was born and one of the reasons we chose her is because she's you know she's an elder she's an older woman she's leader of the feminist movement she's one of the women who uh, definitely has been bringing the feminine energy into balance and she has all this warrior energy she's a strong uh, masculine Forces at work in her personality that you know were always there. So yeah, in that sense, she was bound to grow up and find some way to express that warrior quality. This is no shrinking violet, and yet at the same time, she has um, you know the capacity to sort of couch that energy in softness and gentleness. Her her Mercury, her both. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as we say in shamanic Egyptian astrology, Sosis, who's the Bodhisattva, emanates through herself. So she has Bodhisattva energy, tremendous compassion, caring, love. She's a warrior, um, sort of a Bodhisattva warrior, we could say. Well, I don't know. I think there was something going on with some of these
0: women born in 1934. I know Shirley MacLaine. That was her birth that birth year as well. Uh-huh. Um, it's very fascinating. I'd love to, to have you all do her chart. Uh, Ruby, I cannot believe how quickly this time together has gone. I hope you will come back and join us on another show. But before we kind of sign off here, I'd love to know your personal message. And please give everyone your website again. ShamanicBreathWork.org And what's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with tonight?
1: Don't get stuck in those wounds. Look deep within yourself and understand that your shadow is just something you need to move through. You don't need to get stuck there. There's a higher message around even the shadow, and that message is about wholeness. Well, thank you so much. What
0: a great show, everyone. And I know if you've missed any part of this, you're going to want to listen to this again. Ruby, you are fabulous. It is so great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. I've really enjoyed it, Dr. Pat. It's been a real pleasure, and thank you for having me.
0: You bet, and I hope you'll come back because we haven't even scratched the surface on this one.
1: I would Um, love to.
0: That's a date. Shamanic Egyptian Astrology, everyone, Your Planetary Relationship to the Gods, that is the name of the book. Um, I want to make sure that you all know that uh, this book is available for for all of you. Uh, We are going to be actually giving away copies of it in some subsequent shows From this moment, from this show, from this time, thank you so much for tuning us in and turning us on. It is really because of all of you that we've been able to create a platform of transformation in this lifetime to help others live life full out. Until next time on the Dr. Pat Show, remember to do just that. It is your birthright to be divine. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.